program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. So. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Yes, queens. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is brand new information. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, July 6th, 2019. Happy July and happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, DNRstudios.com is the only place to listen to this live. Leave me your ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to this thing. If you don't listen on DNRstudios.com, email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com. Like the Facebook page, and for God's sake... Please purchase my second and final comedy album. It's called Adam Sank's Last Comedy Album. Available wherever you download music and audio. Uh, leave a review of the album wherever you buy it. And finally, it is time once again for the annual podcast awards. Nominations are ongoing as we speak. So if you're listening to this, uh, please, I beg you, go to podcastawards.com. That's podcast, singular, awards, plural, dot com. And nominate the ass. Nominate us. Uh, we are eligible, I believe, in three categories. Comedy, LGBTQ, and People's Choice. I would like three nominations this year, please. Our guest today is a Broadway star and all-around hottie. Someone I really, really would like to have sex with. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because he's married. But his name is Daniel Reichard, and he will be live in the studio. I'm hoping in very little clothing. I'm hoping he's... Me too essentially wearing nothing but a smile on his face. And that sound you just heard was my beautiful co-host, everyone's favorite frost pig, Ryan Frosted. <laughs> Happy July, Ryan. Happy July. Happy July, JB. Happy July. This year is flying It by. really, it really it is. is. It just felt like I just saw you hoes and we just did this. I know. It's like we it's just so interviewed crazy. Pat Healy from the New York Times and here it is July. I know. Time Where does the time go? Oh, I know what I want to announce. If you're um, going to be in Fort Lauderdale in the next couple weeks, um, you can see me perform naked. She is coming out of retirement. Coming out of retirement one more time to do a, a bunch of shows. I think I'm doing seven shows in Fort Lauderdale. Really? Spread over spread mm. over spread. the first two weekends in July. It's not just me. It's also Drew Lausch, who my yes, listeners know well. Good friend of the pod. Adorable uh, little twink comedian. We love her. Also, Adam Chisnall is a very funny gay comedian from New York. The three of us are all going down. We're all going to be naked. I'm the headliner. Okay. Yes, queen. Word. Yeah. I'll be doing a long set and uh, having long sex. Yes, queen. I hope. Here's hoping. So I wish I could tell you where to go for that, but I don't even have the website. Uh, if you go to, um, <laughs> go to the Google. Google Ronnie Larson, R-O-N-N-I-E, Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N, Naked Comedy Tour, you'll find it. Um, and it's in, happening at the Wilton Factory Theater or the Wilton Theater Factory, one or the other. Very exciting. In Wilton Manors. Um, Ryan. Yes, darling. I have an important question for you. I have an important answer for you. What would you say is your favorite gay anthem of all time? Oh, my God. This is the hardest question let I've ever go. had to answer. Um, Yours is Let It Go honestly, from Wicked? I'm joking. I'm oh. totally joking. <laughs> I, I, I'd have to say I'm coming out. Like, I feel like when I hear that song, it makes me think of, like, just being gay and being proud and being out. I think that's I think that's my my number one. Interesting, interesting. Uh, JB, I I don't really have a number one. My my music my music flair my music taste changes quite often, and if it's dancey, I can dance to it. It's clearly my number one. What is yours? I I well. Yeah. Okay, so there's a song that reminds me of like the happiest gay years of my life, mm -hmm. which were uh, the mid to late 90s. Mm -hmm. 
and it's Cher mm-hmm. singing One by One, which was originally a slow song, but there, Junior Vasquez released a remix of it in the late 90s that we just we just loved it so much. It was like... Um, we're gonna love one another till morning comes uh-huh, with the uh-huh. sweet salvation of what we've done. Okay. It's just so fun yeah. and happy, and it reminds me of like being young and gay. But I think as far as anthems, I'm gonna go with Sylvester. Yes. You, you made me feel mighty real. That's a great song. And I also love the um, Sandra Bernhard version of that. Oh, I've she never heard that. Yeah. Ooh. So the reason I bring this up is because Queer Tea came yes. out recently with the 20 most important gay anthems of all time. Oh, wow. Now, they covered the whole spectrum of music, not just uh, Pop. You know, dance music. But um, number one, you'll be happy to know, Ryan, is Diana Ross. Yeah. I'm coming out. It's, yes. it's the it's Diana. it's the song. I mean, I how can you know? I mean, it's called that. I'm Coming Out. I know. Out. Right. That's why. By the way, we don't have license uh, to play any of these songs, so I'll we are going s- to perform all of them. Right. I'm Hit it, Ryan. Coming out. I'm coming. I'm coming out. Bum, bum. I want the world to know. Got to let it show. Yes. Thank you, Ryan Frosty. That was beautiful. You you, really sounded like her. Thank you. (laughs) Number two is one of my favorite songs, but I don't consider it a a gay anthem necessarily. It's George Michael, Freedom 90. Freedom. Freedom. Nope. Uh, Oh, is that it? Yeah. I won't let you down. Yeah, I just skipped ahead to that. will not give you up. Gotta have some faith in the sound. You're changing the key. It's the one good thing that I <laughs> I don't got. like your key. I won't let you down. <laughs> anyway, the thing about this that I remember was the video. Yeah, with all the supermodels. And he wasn't in it. Right. It was the first time like a major artist was not in their own video, but it was a beautiful video. It's a great Naomi, song. Naomi, Freedom Linda 90. Um, this to me was college. This was my freshman year of college was Freedom 90. Uh, okay, number three is Cher, but it's not one by one, the one I sang. It's... Do you believe in love after love after love after love after love? I can feel something inside me say. That's that's a great song. Cher pioneered the use of auto tune in this song. Uh, Thirty five years into her career, she became the oldest female solo artist to top the Billboard Hot 100 chart at the time. I wonder if Madonna has surpassed that yet. Yeah, she wishes. No matter how hard I try. Oh, you're doing it. You can you're doing the auto auto tune. It was like can't break through. Through. It's a weird noise. <laughs> um, number four, we've already mentioned Sylvester. Mm-hmm. You make me feel mighty real. The gender bending disco diva refused to allow his AIDS diagnosis to damper his flamboyant spirit. He planned his own funeral, insisting on an open casket where he was dressed in a red kimono. <sighs> that yeah. is. So fierce. Sylvester was fabulous. He was one of the really the first openly gay uh, performers of all time. Yeah. Oh my God. When I die, I would like to be in a kimono too. Like dress me in a beautiful green kimono. You heard it here first. This show serves as JB's last will and testament. (laughs) Yes, queen. We hope that's not for another Uh, eighty years. uh, I'm evil. I live forever. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Number five. I do not know. It's Grace Jones. Pull up to the bumper. I don't know that song. It's a the queerty says it's a laid back staple uh, that outqueers all of the rest with eyebrow raising lyrics such as "Pull up to my bumper, lady, in your long black." No, let me try again. Pull up to my bumper, baby, in your long black limousine. Pull up to my bumper, baby, and drive it in between. Okay, that sounds like butt fucking to me. All right. Now this next one, I I literally have never heard of, and I believe it's on this list to make the lesbians happy. It's Ani DeFranco, in or out? Nope. The lyrics go, I've got more than one membership, more than one club, and I owe my life to people that I love. Where's Romaine when you... It's a, I, I, somehow I don't think Romaine is an Ani DeFranco fan. Romaine is more like a gay man in her, her That's cultural taste. True. But uh, apparently this is, known as, this is seen as a bisexual manifesto. All number right. seven, uh, I, I have to say maybe this should be number one. Judy Garland, uh, Over the Rainbow. Yes. Over the rainbow. Sing it right. Way up high, there's a land that I've heard of once in a lullaby. 
Someday you move on a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me. I feel like people are just we're, turning this off. I know they're so far, but we're like, just indulging. In this, this timeless ballad has been memorably covered by a motley crew of cherished singers, including Liza Minnelli, mm. Celine Dion, Pink. I need to hear that version immediately. Oh, I yeah. fucking love the Pink. um um. Oh God, Patty uh, Labelle. Rufus, the Patty Labelle version is yeah. Well, that's amazing. that's famous. Rufus Wainwright in yes. his uh, Judy at Carnegie Hall oh, concert. God. Catherine McPhee, and most recently Ariana Grande. Oh, I haven't heard that. The Catherine oh, yeah. McPhee one is beautiful, person, but she sings great. She is so. a bop machine. She just turns out the bops. She's <sighs> great. Fuck anyway, her. anyway, number eight is one I also don't know, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce the singer, the singer's name properly. It's Michelle Angiocello. Angiocello. Uh, I remember when she was around, but um, the song is called Leviticus Faggot. <laughs> Not ringing any bells. The bisexual neo soul singer's 1996 track tells the story of a sweet little boy just a little too sweet for his parents' approval. Its controversial music video follows a young man kicked out of his house for being gay and ultimately taking his life. Oof. Yikes. Number nine uh, is a song that I remember well from my coming out days. It's Bronsky Beat, Small Town Boy. This Bronsky Beat were a British synth pop trio and they explored sexuality throughout their catalog. This track was a global hit back in 1984. I was only 13, but I remember in the 90s it was still popular. It was like, run away, run away, run away. About this like small town boy who runs away. Uh, number 10 is Madonna's Vogue. Of course. Come hit on, it, hit Vogue. It. No, hit the rap part. What's Greta that? Garbo. Greta Garbo. Garbo. No, 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 Dietrich and DiMaggio. Grace dun, dun, Kelly, Harlow uh, Jean uh, on the cover uh, of a movie uh, screen. Uh, no. This is you. Take it away. Sister Kelly. Dance on air. I used to know this by heart. I God know. damn it. Vogue was a phenomenon. When Vogue came out, man. Yeah. I did too. <laughs> Literally. You're like, I've had it. I was like, I can't. I've had it in this, this closet. It's too gay for me to even pretend that I'm not gay anymore. I, I danced. I learned the dance. I did the dance. I saw the documentary. I did the dance. Ugh, what an incredible video. Um, number 11 is Scissor Sisters. Take your mama. That's kind of what it sounds like. Kind of. Uh, Scissor Sisters frontman Jake Shears offers up stage advice on this playful, sage advice on this playful honky-tonk flavored jam. Quote, we'll get her jacked up on some cheap champagne. We'll let the good times all roll out. That sounds a little bit like date rape, but... What happened to the Scissor Sisters? They were huge for a minute. They were, and uh, I think their last. They let's have a Kiki. Let's have a Kiki. That was, was like sort their, of their last yeah. thing. Yeah, but that was fun music because it was gay, but it was also kind of punk and yeah. and rough. Yeah, it appealed to many audiences. Number twelve was Lou Reed's "Walk on the Wild Side," which I think is now is that a gay politically song? incorrect. Well, it's about it's about uh, trans women. Oh, but I, know I think you know he's the, the line and the color girls go do to do 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 is problematic yeah. and basically it's it's a little bit uh, dated. But Lou Reed was the lead singer of the Velvet Underground. This was his one big hit in 1972. Um, it discusses male prostitution and transsexualism. Um, the characters described on the track are a who's who of Andy Warhol's inner circle. He was singing about real people. Oh. He says like. Um, Holly came from Florida, FLA, hitchhiked mm -hmm. away across the USA, but she never lost her head, even when she was given head. She said, hey, girl, yeah. take, take a, a walk, walk on the wild side. It's a cool song. Yeah, it is cool. Number 13, Ryan, I'm surprised it wasn't your number one. It's RuPaul, Supermodel. Oh, you better yeah. work. That's, that has to be, that would be my next one, yeah. Mama you Ru better work. Come Ma Mama Ru commanded attention with her first major label single in 92. Man, do I remember that. Yeah. Number 14 was Christina Aguilera's Beautiful. I'm beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can bring me down. No, no. I am beautiful in every, every single way. I want to do everything Words like Cher. Words can bring me down. down. Now. This was written by Linda Perry, who is also a fucking wow. amazing singer. The yeah. lead singer of Four Non Blondes. Um, you know, the video had like gay people and, and drag queens. And yeah, that was a people. really big deal when that came out. Gorgeous. Number 15, Cindy Lauper, True Colors. Yeah. See your true colors. Lauper wrote this after a close friend uh, died of AIDS. Oh. 
it, actually, I'm sorry, it was not written for her, but she says the lyrics resonated Got it. Uh, by whoever did write it because of her friends. So don't death. be afraid to let them show. Okay, number 16 is something called Bikini Kill Rebel Girl. Don't know anything about it. They were punk rockers of the early 90s, part of the Riot Girl movement. G-R-R-R-R-L. Girl. Number, number 17 is one of <laughs> the Riot Girl. <laughs> number 17 is one of my favorites, Katie Lang, Constant Craving. I fucking love Katie Lang. I love that song, Constant Craving. How does it go? Constant Craving is on I'm sure I constant craving anyway it was she has the most beautiful voice mm. uh, last night I was playing for Ryan some of my favorite James Taylor Carly Simon songs tonight yes. we'll be listening to Katie Lang great um, Gloria Gaynor not I will survive but Gloria Gaynor's version of I am what I am oh my god okay I just heard that for the first time at the hotel it was. I was like, I've never heard this 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 version of it, and I was like, who is this? What is going on? And it, now I know it's, it's now. Hard. There's another female singer who sings "I Am What I oh. Am," and it's not Gloria Gaynor, and and that was the one I remember. Well, maybe that's the one I. Don't know. It yeah. It's she's really. Um, is it Shirley Bassey? I think there's a Shirley Bassey version. I think the one I heard was Gloria Gaynor because I would have I would have recognized um, Shirley Bassey's voice. Number nineteen is Lady Gaga, "Born This Way." I still that say was, it's a little bit of a ripoff of Madonna's is, Express Yourself. It is, but I, I think that Born This Way was, is yeah. one of Gaga's best songs. And finally, number 20 was someone named Carl Bean. He wrote a song in 1977 called I Was Born This Way. Oh. His 1977 track was forthright in its gay lyricism. The lyrics went, I'm happy, I'm careful, I'm gay. I'm two of those things. Yeah. <laughs> but that was revolutionary in 1977. Sure. You can uh, actually YouTube this and listen to the song. It's Carl Bean, I Was Born This Way. And Bean. those were the top 20 gay anthems yes. of all time. Man, is this show over yet? I feel like we've been talking about this forever. We needed to do that, though. Yeah. No, I just wanted to sing. It was fun to hear Ryan sing. Okay. Uh, this story is about a comedian named Elijah Daniel, who purchased a town in Michigan. Oh, my God. The town was formerly uh, named Hell, and he changed the name of it to Gay Hell. <laughs> so good. <laughs> he renamed the town Gay Hell, as in, what in Gay Hell is wrong with that drunk twink? He told Sky News. He said, I was trying to find the easiest political office to hold. I contacted 50, 50 towns, and all of them were like, no, you're not allowed to be our mayor. And then I hit up Hell, Michigan, and they were like, absolutely. Hell, Michigan only has 15 people. I remember Hell from when I went to college in Michigan. We used yeah. to laugh about it. There were T-shirts you could buy that said, I went to Hell and back. Um, in 2017, he, this comedian paid $100 to become the mayor of Hell for a day. He got a coffee mug, a badge, a set of devil horns to wear, and even phone calls to make important decisions. Um, Immediately, you'll like this, Ryan. Immediately after becoming mayor in 2017, he tweeted, I would like to be the first U.S. mayor to go on record and say that eating ass is dope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then, yes. he then he banned all straight people from entering hell as a way to mock Trump's hardline anti-immigration policies. Hilarious. Um, he declared that heterosexuals caught living in hell would have to pay an $84,000 reproductive precautionary deposit. <laughs> which would be returned after one year of abstaining from heterosexual activities. He would also have ex-heterosexual therapy sessions and get, straights would have to wear a scarlet H and meet in the town center at 5.30 wearing, car <laughs> wearing cargo shorts oh my God. every morning to be publicly straight shamed. So we got to get this guy on the show. Apparently he's got a YouTube following. That's share. my kind of This time next year we'll be getting a share. Uh, in gay hell. In gay hell, <laughs> Elijah Daniel. I don't think it's possible to actually purchase a town. I think that part's kind of a publicity stunt. But well, <clears throat> all right, Elijah. from the ridiculous to the tragic. I did this story. Uh, I'm doing this story because I found it on Queer Tea. I shared it, and it got such a tremendous reaction from people on the Adam Sancho Facebook page that I felt like it's important to do. Mm -hmm. And that is this: there is a small island 
located a mile east of the Bronx here in New York City called Hart Island. It's only a mile long and a third of a mile wide. It's off limits to the general public. During the 80s and 90s, it became a mass burial ground for people who had died of HIV and AIDS. Wow. If you had HIV AIDS during that time in, in New York and you didn't have family mm-hmm. or friends who would like claim your body and bury you, you would be brought to Hart Island and buried because they be- authorities believed that even your dead body could be infectious. Wow. And so it was essentially a place to quarantine these bodies. And most people didn't know about this. I didn't know about this. I had no idea. And I'm a gay HIV positive man who grew up outside, right outside New York City and have lived here for 25 years. But it wasn't until Ryan Murphy featured Heart Island in a recent episode of Pose that people learned about this. On the episode, two HIV positive characters traveled to the island in 1990 to visit the grave of their dead friend. True to the story, their friend's grave is marked only by a number. Crates, each with a dead body, some weeks or months old, were stacked on top of one another, deep in the soil. Men in hazmat suits, some of them Rikers Island prisoners, were forced to become grave diggers, walk around the island rubble as bulldozers covered the graves in earth. So fucking ghoulish. I mean, that's something you think about happening like in medieval times. Yeah, like it couldn't be in the last couple decades. Or in like, you know, like a third third world country, someplace that that just isn't, you know, doesn't have the the infrastructure that we have. But, um, you know, there are still thousands and thousands of bodies on the Hart Island. New York is considering changing a policy to make Hart Island more accessible to those whose relatives are buried there. Yeah. Until then, the history is kept alive by those who know about it and shows like Pose. So give it up for Pose. So where is Heart Island? It's um, about, uh, what did I say, 30 miles? It's right off of the Bronx. It's a mile east of the Bronx. Really, really fucked up. Um, In much less gruesome news, there's a new study out. Let me ask you guys this. If you see a really, really hot guy Mm -hmm. and you're about to have sex with him, do you assume he is... More likely or less li- likely to have STDs than a non-hot guy? More likely. It depends on the conversation, but nine fives out of ten, more likely. Me too. I assume that if you're hot, you're having, you're sex, having sex with everybody. All the time. But a new study found that gay and bisexual men are more likely to, to believe that the men they find physically attractive are less likely to have STDs. Interesting. This was at the University of Maryland. They surveyed roughly 200 gay and bisexual men living across the U.S. Participants were shown clips of different men and asked to rate them based on their physical appearances. I would love to be in this study. Sure. Afterwards, they were asked a series of questions about the men. Questions like, how likely is it that you would have a one-night stand with this person? Very likely. (laughs) Whether they thought the men had positive partner traits, whether they would have unprotected sex with this person, and how likely do you think it, would, it is that you would get HIV from this person? On average, the men who, found, who were found to be more physically attractive were also rated less likely to have any STDs, and participants said they were less likely to use condoms with the hotter guys during sex. Researchers attribute this to the halo effect which is defined as the tendency to associate positive traits with physical attractiveness, even when there's no other evidence to support the association. Kind of like, Ryan, that guy in the chorus that we both hate, Yes. but other people hang out with mm-hmm, because they he's think hot. he's hot, but we know he's really a horrible person. An evil person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. Hotness well, does not say anything about someone other than the fact that they're hot. And one day, beauty fades. And I say, if you're hot, you're probably riddled with STDs. Yes. How about that? And possibly terrible. And you're possibly terrible. I mean, you might be great. Yeah. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with having STDs. But, you know, you should get them. Or being hot. You should should get them (laughs) tested and treated. Uh, In another study, this one jumped out at me because it has personal resonance. Left-handers and little brothers are more likely to be gay than everybody else. It, you... I am a left-hander, and I am the youngest brother. I'm the youngest child. This is for you. I'm the oldest child. It's not universal, JB. It's not saying you can't suck dick if you're (laughs) right-handed and older. But this was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which I keep a copy of on the toilet. Uh, The researchers surveyed more than 800 adult men regarding their sexual orientation, gender expression, and three specific biomarkers. Handedness, 
mm-hmm. fraternal birth order, mm-hmm. and existence of non-straight relatives. These researchers from the University of Toronto and the Memorial University of Newfoundland found that having at least one older brother increased the likelihood of men not being straight by 14.8% and being left-handed, get this, raised the probability by 34%. Wow. You are a third more likely to be a dick sucker if you're left-handed. That's crazy. Interesting. You know, I'm right-handed, but... Lately, I've found that I am using my left hand more for masturbation. For masturbation, not for myself, but like on my partner. I don't know. I'm just like kind of exploring. Well, isn't, hand. doesn't it depend on which side you're lying on? Like, if if the guy's to my left, I'm going to use my left hand. If he's to I my usually, right, I'm usually I'm usually like in front. I'm like on top, and then just doing it like. And, and I've also and like, your hand doesn't get tired. No, well, I, I do two hands, I, and I'm also oh. trying this new technique where I do like a little bit of a pulling act. Oh my goodness. Oh, very exciting. Lots of changes. I like pulling. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, I find this fascinating and it's more, you know, not that we need any more proof, but there's more proof of a biological cause, um, biological marker of homosexuality. Do you feel seen? I feel seen. And let me tell you something. It isn't easy being a lefty. The world is built for right-handed people. Lefties are more likely to die early. That's, that's been well documented because... Tools, machinery, cars, everything you can think of is made for yeah, right-handed I mean, how people. Do you, so, how do you drive stick? Honey, well, I, I have to use my right hand, obviously, and yeah. I'm, I'm pretty good at driving stick. I learned on a stick shift. And mm. I can cut scissors with the right hand because I had to. Yeah. I can throw a Frisbee with my right hand. Lefties are also more likely to have some ambidexterity. Look at you overcoming obstacles. I mean, I really you... have special needs. <laughs> and that's why I always use the handicap parking all, spot. It's all boils down to. And a small penis. I have multiple handicaps. Yes. Um, this story is terrible, but it uh, jumped out at me because I actually sort of know this guy. When I say I know him, I mean we've messaged each other on Grinder, and he used to live in my neighborhood. He's Boy. a porn star named Blue Kennedy. It always bothered me that his name is Blue because he has red hair, but we won't get into that. Anyway, he has pleaded guilty to aiding and abetting in the possession of child porn with regard to his boyfriend. The boyfriend, Billy Lockhart, is a psychiatrist who is serving a three-year prison term. Can you imagine being a psychiatrist and having tons of kiddie porn? Yikes. <clears throat> uh, Blue Kennedy, his, oh, whose real guy. name is Benjamin Martin. You know him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was arrested uh, after police found hundreds of images on his, his electronic devices that had been uploaded by the, the uh, partner, Lockhart, over a University of California, San Francisco Wi-Fi connection. Can I just say something? Say something. When you're at work, don't use your computer to upload kiddie porn. <laughs> Or any porn. It's just, just a bad idea. Don't, don't do, it. Like, do it. I sometimes go to Cocktails and Cock Talk yeah. on my work computer because that's how I find all the stupid stories for this podcast. Right. And I know that even that is showing up in my IT office screen. And they're like, why is he constantly on this website called Cocktails and Cock Talk? But I at least that's not illegal. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Kennedy, <clears throat> Blue Kennedy is out on bond. He faces 10 years in prison. Damn. And will be sentenced in September. He has uh, appeared in more than 80 films for studios like Hot House, Lucas, Next Door Studios, Titan Men, and more. So, Blue, if your boyfriend has kitty porn, don't uh, aid and abet him. Just, and also, um, like, he shouldn't be your boyfriend. Yeah. This, maybe. Uh, maybe you know, on. my first boyfriend dumped me for a 15-year-old girl, and he was 20. That's fucked up, JB. Yeah, and I made his life a living hell. It was great. <laughs> what did you do? Oh, I had all my friends call him a pedophile. Uh, it just spread throughout Staten Island. And then he was just known as a pedophile of Staten Island. Your love life is like a horror movie. Oh, it is. And I just fucking hate it. <laughs> it frightens me. Oh, dear. I'm surprised I haven't died yet. <laughs> it's very surprising. I'm glad you haven't. But yeah. Uh, in other news, Lee Daniels, we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He says he's, quote, beyond embarrassed about forcefully defending Jussie Smollett on social media after the staged attack. Uh, when last I talked about this, I mentioned that Daniels uh, tweeted that he is that Jesse is officially never coming back to Empire after Variety reported that he might show up. Um, Daniels told Vulture, quote, I'm beyond embarrassed. I think that when it happened, I had a flash of me running from bullies. I had a flash of my whole life, of my children, my youth getting beaten. Daniels added that Smollett's behavior was something out of the blue and would be a huge betrayal if it turned out that he did it was guilty and all of it's accurate. Daniel still holds out hope that somehow it's not true. 
quote, of course, there's some doubt. I'm telling you that because I love him so much. That's the torture that I'm in right now, because it's literally if it were to happen to your son and your child, how would you feel? You would feel, please, God, let there be the glimmer of hope that there's some truth in this story. That's why it's been so painful. It was a flood of pain. We weren't there. I can't judge him. That's only for the fucking lady or man with the black robe and God. Wait, who's the lady or the like man the with the ju- black robe? The judge? the judge. That's not God? No. The the judge in the black robe the, is... The judge and then God. God. Yeah. Like two separate... Oh. Like whoever the judge is in the case. Like the judge God. and the jury. Oh, 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 judge. I see. I thought it was like <laughs> we were talking about a celestial judge. Uh-huh. No, no, no. We're talking like, about a judge in the criminal court. Like an actual <laughs> judge. Daniel said, I had to detach myself and stop calling him because it was taking away the time I have for my kids, the time I have for my partner. It was affecting my spirit and my other shows. It's got to be tough. It's got to be really, really tough because like, you know, you're bringing someone into your world and you're trusting them and you're creating a relationship with them and, um, you know, and, and of course, like your gut reaction is like, let me defend them. Let me, let me. Uh, support them and then you know I don't know it's hard yeah but I think he's doing the right thing by I, by not having him back I think on the so show too. yeah in Houston Texas a customer at a restaurant said he was stereotyped and insulted after he got his receipt back at a restaurant and the words <laughs> these were the words that were printed on the receipt to go dude with dreads comma fat comma gay <laughs> Hashtag my life. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have dreads. No, but I am a fat gay. So <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't describe you as fat, JB. <sighs> okay, you're so, a big guy. You're tall. Yeah. I, I get to this. I get to this Thick argument about a lot of people. A lot of people say I'm fat. A lot of people says I'm just chunky. My doctor says I'm overweight. So, I, well, I'm overweight. <laughs> I mean, that's like a that's a that's a that's very a clinical thing. So you're still very fuckable, JB. Thank you. I like thick. Like thick, th- like thick and juicy. Thick and juicy. I, do, I like to think I'm thick too, yeah. but the people say thick and then they think I'm fat. I'm just like, oh. how would you feel, JB, if you got a receipt that said "to go, dude" with dreads, comma fat, comma gay? He ain't getting no tip. I'm telling his goddamn manager, Wait, what the, the fuck is this? What's the first part? To to go, dude. Like he his order was to oh, go. Oh, oh, he had dreads. Got it. Got it. And he was fat and gay. Um, he called to complain. The owner stereotypical. The owners of the restaurant explained that the server was simply trying to identify the customer who placed the order. Quote. Oh, it was just her way of describing him, said Marcus Barlow. It wasn't nothing against him or nothing personal. It was her way of referencing back who to deliver the food to. Barlow sp- said he spoke with the angry customer and that the server was remorseful for the incident. She has since been suspended from work for three days. Not fired. Suspended. You know, these stories happen quite a bit. And they always go wrong. And if you're working anywhere in service, do not like write something derogatory about the customer. Don't don't put that in the computer. Yeah, they're always going to see it. Always come back to bite you in the ass. You <laughs> There's a picture ass. of the receipt. <laughs> oh god, it's really funny. Oh, actually, there are no commas. That was just added to the article. Oh. The receipt itself simply says, "To go, dude, with dreads, fat gay." <laughs> wow. So she even speak proper English. This is a right off sentence. As for the customer, he said the actions of the server are enough to keep him from coming back. Quote, if anybody asked me about it, I would tell them I would tell them it's a good restaurant. I have nothing bad to say about the restaurant. I will just not go back. Okay. Finally, we have a cocktails and cock talk story. One we haven't uh, we haven't done it's cocktails and cock talk in a long time. So hit it, JB. And now, time for another stupid story from cocktails and cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. So John Cena, the wrestler, fighter, yes. actor, who I have always so hot been very in love with, he was on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And, uh, you know, Cohen will ask questions that the audience, quote unquote, has, yeah. has tweeted or, yeah. or written in. And a fan wrote in to ask Andy Cohen to ask John Cena if Cena had ever gotten a boner during a wrestling match. And here's how this went down. Hit it, JB. Peter M. emailed, John, have you ever gotten an accidental boner during a wrestling match? <laughs> Something the body does. You just ignore it. Really? Come on. Just ignore it. That's what the body does. You can't be blamed for that. I Listen. I'm here for it. I am fully here for it. And I would 
probably be hard as well. How could well, you not? Well, you would be hard, but do straight wrestlers typically get hard when they wrestle? Well, I've never heard of that. I mean, the friction of the body. Yeah, I would have helps. to assume because I get hard on just because the wind blows or if I'm on the train, the vibration's feeling right. Like, I feel like someone else has to be feeling the same way. It just has to happen. Oh, I'm really excited so horny, that yeah. it happens to John Tito when he's wrestling with other men. So now, I have well, something to I've, I've with, with wrestling, it's just like, I mean, heads end up near asses. Like, it's just like, the, the, I, it's but so But I have to think when you're competing, like, you're just, you're, you're not, not thinking about yeah. that. All right, uh, we're going to tell you about all the Pride celebrations happening through the end of July because you and I are going to be off for a few weeks, Ryan. Oh. So hit it, Ann Steele. July 6th, it's London Pride. 12th through 14th is San Diego Pride. I, I was there for it back in 2008. Um, in July 20th through 21st, it's Liebisch Schwulz Stadtfest Berlin, which I think is Berlin Pride. July 26th through August 4th is Belfast Gay Pride in Northern Ireland. Not regular Ireland, Ryan. Northern, Northern Ireland. Got it. Their Pride Day is August 3rd. July 27th is Christopher Street Day in Berlin. Interesting. Which is one of the biggest LGBTQ gatherings in Europe. Wow. And finally, July 27th through August 1st is Pride Amsterdam. How much fun would that be? That would be a trip. All those beautiful big-dicked boys mm. with the world's best weed. Yes. Sounds like a dream. On that note, our guest today is a Drama Desk Award nominee and a Broadway veteran who originated the role of Bob Gaudio in Jersey Boys. He's also an acclaimed concert singer who has sold out engagements in New York City's Joe P Joe's Pub, the Metropolitan Room, Ars Nova, and the Cutting Room. For the last 10 years, he's toured with three other Jersey Boys cast members in The Midtown Men. Here's a taste of the vocal stylings of Daniel Rykov. No, no, And please give a warm-ass welcome to Daniel Reichard. Hi, Daniel. Having me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Da welcome. Daniel, before you got here, I said to Ryan that um, I was hoping you'd be wearing almost nothing. And, and you did not disappoint. It's hot it's outside. It's very hot. Daniel's got an open shirt that is open almost all the way it's to his really belly button. Shirt too. There's one button. It looks all you need. really good. Plus, he's got on short shorts. He's got his Statue of Liberty socks on. Yes. I love. Gorgeous. You look so beautiful. You know, I don't mind walking through the streets in New York looking a little silly. Like oh, Especially yeah. this weekend. Especially no, yeah. this weekend, but really any weekend. Same. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the way that's, to do it. Pride, you know, pride is you know all year, something all year for, round for many of us. It's yeah. all year round. But but I have to say, Daniel, I think you're one of these guys who the older you get, the hotter you get. Oh, thank you so much. Like you were always cute, but now you're like a man. Well, thank like a you, sexy man. Am and I glad I didn't go to horse meat disco last <laughs> night and came to this instead? I mean, I don't know why you couldn't do both. <laughs> well, just set an alarm. I carry myself away, as I said to you. Yes. So I said, you know, I think it'll be best to just, you know, spend my Friday night at home. Be sensible. Watch good boy. Real Housewives. You know, catch Ooh. up on my Housewives, and you know, make which out with my dog. And <laughs> which is your favorite it. Housewives? Uh, New York City, yes. yeah, us too. by oh, far. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ryan's behind this season. They yeah, are the goddesses. They are the best. And this year is, I think, just like amazing. Well, They're if so Bethany doesn't funny. win an Oscar for that uh, meltdown in oh, the Florida she is the restaurant, Streep of reality. Thank TV. you. It's so true. I've been uh, Countess Luann. I've been an Anne friend in her cabaret show. Do you know? I almost twice. was too this past Christmas because oh, really? I know Ben Rimmelower. And oh, so of course. This past Christmas, him. he reached out to me at the last minute and said, "Can you come to New Jersey and open for Luann? Do like six minutes of comedy." And the money was good. Yeah. And I just was so like exhausted and i didn't feel like going to new jersey and i turned it down and it was so stupid oh yeah like, well it really is a fun thing to do i did it at uh 54 blow fine science 54 blow and then i did it at 
the Gramercy, the Christmas show, mm-hmm. which is what is they're basing like this season of New York Housewives around, you know, that run in New York. It's climaxing. To right. That the last run. episode I'm not is, in is it, her Christmas. But it was yeah. so it is like singing for the Jerry Springer show audience. You know, it is so it's rowdy amazing. and crazy and it's like being thrown to the wolves. But you're right. And I will give this to. Luann, she they pay their people well. Like I, when I got my check, I was like, "Oh, not <laughs> so right. bad." Because for me, I, when I do something like that, I'm really truly doing it just for the fun of it yeah. and for the experience right. of it. And so when you get a little extra money, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna, yeah. you know, justify a few bad decisions I'm gonna make." <laughs> you know this. This amount of money. Well, hopefully he'll ask me again, Daniel. In researching you, which was a pleasure, Thank I came you. across a video of you singing in your underwear good lord which you filled out quite nicely well i, I have no idea what well that could have been from skiv- broadway bears no it was the skivvies, skivvies. oh yeah, yeah yeah oh okay yeah well i did do broadway bears three times and i starred in it once oh. which was very cool thank you and uh but the skivvies yeah i did that last summer now will you be performing naked anytime soon no um, not really i did do i threw my 40th First, oh my God, my 41st birthday party last week. And I threw a concert for my, of course, it's like this desperate need for attention that is never quite sure, satiated. we all relate. Yeah, so I had, I invited 50 of my friends to this beautiful uh, venue in Lower East Side called Pangea, mm-hmm. which is lovely. And I'd never been there until a week before and they, they had the night open. And so I was like doing on stage changes, like, you know, obnoxiously during throughout that show and you know i was doing like this mr rogers part where i like take my coat off and i had like a leather harness on underneath and then you know put my cardigan on and did the audience ever see your schween uh no i don't i don't go that far my you know i do i I do naked comedy i love that i and i want to talk really fast about just this show because you know i'm show business i've been show business in over two decades yes. now. And, um, you know, I just love this show. When you asked me to do it, I had never listened to it. And I didn't listen to it for several weeks after saying yes. You were frightened. Then I listened to it and I was like, oh, good God. I hope my mom doesn't know what podcasts are. Uh, <laughs> then yeah, I started listening to it. And I listened to it with my friend Michael Longoria, who's in my, uh, who's one of my co-stars in the Midtown yes. and also Jersey Boys. We go back to when we were uh, very, very young, knowing each other. And we, um, when we're driving to a show to do a concert, we would listen to your guys' show. And it was just, it's so entertaining and so funny and interesting. And oh, I'm so thrilled. I was really, Jeez. you know, the regret eventually, you know, waned. You know, eventually it came <laughs> to accept that I did this and it was the right thing to do. Well, that makes me feel really good. But I'm, I was going to say... I'm happy to have you as a listener. No, I'm really happy to have you as a and guest. And I, I was telling... So, you know, I, now I'm telling people about you too. Oh, so. please do. Oh, wow. We need some, we need some high profile listeners. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, uh, tell us your entire life story and don't leave out any of the sex. Oh, God. You're the youngest of like nine, That's right? right. I'm the eighth of nine. Uh, yeah, for Irish Catholic family, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, you know, it was a very, very cool. I mean, well, first of all, I'll go, go deep right away and say that the middle child of my family passed away when I was in the womb. Oh, wow. wow. So when I came into this world, it was in a, in a state of survival for my family and grief. And then I come out, you know, and then decide to put on a show basically from the very beginning. I mean, it was right away when I learned how to read. When I was three, I would do accents. I would do dialects, you know, and and uh, I would, you know, create plays. And then as I got older, I started doing movies with the family's, you know, VCR recorder and get all the neighborhood kids involved. And then... The school play started happening. I went to a Montessori school, which was one of the only very liberal things that yeah. I that I was raised with, and that was for junior high, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And during that time, I was given this unbelievable uh, permission to be extremely creative, uh, 
you know, for especially for a sixth grader, I, I mean, I dressed up as Tammy Wynette and <laughs> saying this at the school talent show and saying Jan Hooks is Stand By Your Man from SNL. Um, I did like the t- commercial where she sings all the classic uh, songs, Stand By Your Man, Stand By Your Man, you know, <laughs> and she just said Stand By I Your love Man Jan the whole Hooks time. So much. Yeah, and oh, me too. Rest God rest her soul. Yeah. One of the greatest comic actresses ever. But that's. That's who I wanted to be was, uh, well, really, Steve Martin was my hero growing up. That was really who I emulated. And so... You and my, I must be around the same age. Yes. exactly. I'm a little older. A lot of your references, just a little bit, you know. <laughs> but um, a lot of your references, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Uh, anyway, so we went to high school, all boys Catholic high school. Mm. I know. And in, in the way, it was kind of... Mm. Oh, wow. Was there a lot of that? There was not a lot of that. But there was a lot of, like, you know, getting slammed up against the locker, but, like, with the guy's, like, face, like, up to my face, like, almost kissing me, like, kind of thing. Like, so like homoerotic bully, violence. Yeah, loving bullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hot. It was kind of in a certain way. And I, I really survived... By through my talent, really, you know, survive that period of time where, you know, it's just so it was so macho. It was a big uh, athletic school there at one point with the number one football team in the country for five years. I mean, it was really. Did you play any sports? Hell no. (laughs) I I played like as a child, I played like all the white people's sports, like soccer, swimming, tennis. I was good. And um, my some of my siblings will say that I was the most most athletic of all the people. I just didn't really get into the competitive spirit of athletics. You know, yeah. baseball I would have and football I would have just been eaten alive and killed. You know, but other things you know where there was rhythm and sure, grace. Sure. That's what I. Those are the sports that I that I played. So anyway, um, is this good so far? Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, then. Uh, Moved to, or I went to University of Michigan School of Music. Me too. That's so wonderful. I was in LSNA, but yeah. How cool is that? I was class, I class of 93. I didn't Michigan. Yeah, I went with Hunter. Maybe I did. With Hunter Foster? Mm-hmm. Aw, that's awesome. And uh, Jennifer Perry and mm-hmm. Josh Rhodes. Yes, I knew know all of them. Yeah. Um, oh, um, what's her face, who I love so much? I keep talking. I'll yeah. Uh, Whitney Allen. Well, there's all those people. Anyway, there's so the many. The one who was in Hedvig. Oh, that Miriam Shore. Miriam Shore. Yeah. yeah, we were Hunter, Miriam, and I were all in a production of Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Together. That was that. Um, uh, the student what musket musket. Yeah. yeah, I did Pippin. Oh my God, I saw Pippin. I did Pippin. Was directed by Tony Award winner Gavin Creel, wow. and I played opposite. Oh, I didn't see that Pippin. No, no. Oh, well, this was my, yeah. This was this was just slightly after your time. Mm-hmm. But then, but it was you know. Uh, Celia Keenan Bolger, who just mm. won a Tony Award for who's my her. best friend in in college and and one of my best friends of all time. And Andrew and, too. And, oh, Andrew's adult. Andrew is like little brother. I used to babysit for Andrew King mm. Bolger. So yeah, uh, just moaning. Love. And um, anyway, I had a very cool experience at Michigan. Moved to New York. Very very green though. So I was not. Uh, you not like they were almost like four years later. I mean, this was right as email was starting. I moved to New York the last year of the service number. Did you used to have a service number? Mm-mm. So the service number was your voicemail, and mine was two one two five six zero five six five nine. I still remember it. And what it was was a, your voicemail service because no, people didn't all have cell phones nobody i did not have a cell phone and so agents and casting directors and producers or friends would call your right like in the in the musical company yes the lyric goes call me in the morning and my service will explain Uh exactly exactly and if you called it and it rang you didn't have a message you'd call from a payphone and you'd hang up really fast and so that you would get your quarterback right and if it picked up, it meant you had a message. So it could be casting director or it could be a callback. So what year did you any- land in New York? 2000. Oh, you're much younger than me. Then. Oh, really? What oh. year did you graduate college then? 99? 2000. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're so seven- I moved in. So next year will be 20 years in New York. Wow. So anyway, but uh, 
I know I'm sounding like it's so ancient, but it, it really was a very interesting time. And it's something I think about a lot about technology because I did not go to school with YouTube. Like the kids after like Andrew Keenan Bolger, um, Pasek and Paul, who wrote the music to La La Land and mm -hmm. Greatest Showman and Dear Evan Hansen, they're probably gazillionaires now. I knew them all as they, they, they came into New York being known. Yeah. online yeah right they all had built these youtube presences and all of that stuff so I, I came in a very still it was just the very end of that very simple and then probably one year later everybody had a cell phone so you get here in 2000 2005 <laughs> 2005 you get cast in jersey boys yeah as a lead well before that i had played keith herring uh the artist in a very controversial, uh, cool production at the Public Theater. Mm. George C. Wolf directed. Uh, I was wow. 23 years old, I think, when I started working on that show, playing Keith Haring, and it was a bio-musical of his life, you know, cast by one of the iconic directors of the American Musical Theater, and this very, very difficult AIDS musical that goes through his life and him confronting basically his his illness and all of that and that was you know i had done forbidden broadway in new york already but that was just like a huge maturing you know a growing up experience because um the director was extremely tough on me and 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 as i as he should have been he was really kind of shaking some reality because i was so sheltered came from so much privilege you know education did not have a lot of where I had an enormous amount of family support in New York City. So anyway, that was a, a life changing experience. And how it relates is it was supposed to go to Broadway. David Geffen was putting money in allegedly. And then the New York Times review came out and it was a total uh, whopper bad review. They slammed it. They slammed it. And all it was already it had been sold out they had extended it and then they just cut it now that was a and very devastating it was a heart it was my first heartbreak in show business and uh, you know others followed but uh that but it kind of took a while for me to get over that because then i was so invested in this character and so invested it was such a great thing to go through not as an actor as a person you know right. to really invest in a story you know like that so anyway i went in uh reluctantly to audition for jersey boys it was the time where people were talking about uh jukebox musicals and there had been some bad ones and so people were really kind of against that. and i was considering myself a very high art serious actor right. i was a very serious actor because i had done one serious show <laughs> and um anyway so uh i went in for this audition for the creative team again the, literally not wanting to walk in i was basically strongly requested by my agent to go in and i came in and des mackinoff who won t two tony awards yes. of his own the brilliant director who really truly put jersey boys together as far as its style and substance and flow and he said i saw you in that keith herring show i've always wanted to meet you i've always wanted to work with you why don't you read for the role of bob which is a different character than i had walked in for and i read i just kind of read and they were like great anything else i was like i played the piano bob gaudio played the piano he was the songwriter yes of, he wrote all uh, their hits all their hits and it's crazy months later when i met him bob bob gaudio himself and he said hi bob you know to me uh when you we'd stand next to each other we would look like we're father and son isn't that great but if you looked at me and keith herring together who looked totally different at the time you would have thought you know his parents saw the show keith herring's parents came to see the show and said how did you do that you were just like him you acted just like him you know and to make that kind of jump was so fun. And it was the easiest job I ever got was Jersey Boys. Well, and you did it for three years. The show was a sensation. And, uh, and you continue to sing those songs with other members from the show. So I think it's, it's, it, that clearly was a life-changing thing for you. Yeah, it's, just, it's sustained you. my living, you know, 
basically for 13, 13, 14, 15 years now. It was definitely meant to be. Uh, Daniel, <laughs> in the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite question. Wait, I, I don't get to keep talking about no, myself be, no, all day. No, because we ran out of time. Uh, we have to play Ask Me No Questions. Let's you know do how it. the show goes. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Is it true that Reichard is German for fat cock? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is, is, is not true. Oh. No, I don't, I, I don't, long cock is what it means. Oh. There you go. There you go. Did you ever hook up with a fellow Jersey Boys castmate? <laughs> yes. Oh, more than one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Different companies, you know. That's hot. <laughs> Can you do the Frankie Valley falsetto? No. 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 Not at all. No. Because I would think you guys would all take turns like backstage. Hell no. That was never my thing. Falsetto (laughs) was never my thing. (laughs) Well, you have a beautiful voice. Thank you. On your own. Uh, At what age did you first touch another man's penis? Uh, I I, I was 15. Okay. That's a respectable age. Was it one of the Catholic school uh, boys? Yes. (laughs) Was it... In the Th- this room? is all my agent will allow me to say. Oh, really? Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> off, I don't even have Off air, we'll get into it. I'm just the... kidding. What were the circumstances? Uh, friend. Uh, sleepover? Sleepover. Yeah. I, I had so many of those sleepovers. Well, and the thing was, we were so sexually, um, we were repressed. very sexually re- repressed for a family that, you know, had so much procreation. We just did not <laughs> talk about it. So, like, finding porn and... Things like that with your friends was like a way of like figuring out what it was. Like friends I didn't, I didn't even friends. know. I wasn't like, I just was very, very innocent for a long time. How old were you when you actually came out? Right now, forty-one years old, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is breaking oh news. <laughs> Daniel Reichart World is a homosexual. <laughs> Attention, <laughs> Republicans. <laughs> Daniel Reichart is a homosexual. Attention, all baby boomer fans. <laughs> Uh, I would say, um, you know, oh, well, I'll just say to my parents, well, I was 18, so it was very, I was okay. pretty young, uh, uh, so 18, and then my family and friends, and then I went to an old a musical theater school, so it was really easy to get there. That's and like then, Ryan's experience, too. Yeah. Well, I came out when I was 14, so all that. And you had sex even earlier. Mm. Yeah, uh, see, that was you were ahead of me. I was, yeah. mu- I was very, very baby, innocent. And t- yeah, yeah, I'm different. Yeah, I didn't even really find myself like that until my twenties. Like, you know, really begin to find, you know, myself sexually. Sure. You know, what in your opinion is the best musical of all time? Oh God, oh, wow. damn it! Well, there's, uh, you know, that is, that's. A very hard thing to say, so I'll just give unanswer. Um, but it was only because it's the first one that came to my mind. But I know it's not the best musical of all time. But I'm just gonna say Into the Woods, yeah, just I because it agree. it sustains itself for a long time, and the things that that are said in in it are things you can think about many times over and rethink. Timeless. And not a lot of musicals, I think, provoke that much thought. That would be your first two, right? Not my first, but I think it really is a masterpiece. I think taking characters that are so well known and giving them this like this um, this backstory and these these struggles and there's just it's something it's so brilliant. I don't know. I'm gonna say uh, West Side Story. Yeah, that, that would be my. F- I think my yeah. number two is Hamilton. Yeah. I was listening to Hamilton the other day. What a fucking masterpiece! Those that are is. great. Those are great shows. Also, Ragtime. What? Oh, that yeah, is a great show. Th- that's Amazing. one of my all-time. Daniel, Amazing. what's your audition song? Do you still have to audition? Even? Uh not really. Um, but I, I'd say my most memorable audition song was for the longest time the Billy Joel oh, yeah. song. That's yeah. what I sang for Jersey Boys. Nice. Your celebrity crush besides me. Besides you, shit. <laughs> Now I'm really stumped. Um, oh my god, I really can't think of one. I know that's such a this boring question answer. stumps people it's all the time. Hard. And finally, if your penis were a stage prop, which prop would it be? Oh, it would be 
It would be the light that stays on all night after everybody goes home. Yes. Yeah. Good answer. That's a great answer. Daniel Reichardt, you are delightful. Thank you. Uh, people can see you in the Midtown Men. Go to themidtownmen.com. How can they follow you? Yeah, go on, on my Instagram. Media. You know, Daniel Reichardt Life. <laughs> Am I saying your name wrong? Is yeah, it Reichardt? Reichardt, but I was scared you were going to say it even worse. So Reichardt. Reichardt, but it's R E I C H A R D. Thank you yeah. so much. Come back again. Lots of love. We have to get guys. to part yeah. two of your story. Ryan and JB, thank you. We are taking a couple weeks off, but JB is going to be hosting the show next week. Oh, oh my God. God. Yes, with some of your favorite segments of the past, right? Oh, you're this absolutely right. Thanks, uh, we look forward to that. Don't forget to download my last comedy album. Follow me, me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Subscribe to the podcast at DNRStudios. 